welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, a podcast from Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo of Prado Aircraft Industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm your co-host, Robert Luke, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. Robert, you were just a moment ago listing all the developments from FedEx. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, them. There was a major press conference about how the company is restructuring and cutting costs. Tell me a little bit more. Certainly, Andrew. It'll be my pleasure. Uh, FedEx is definitely making some lean cuts as they look to get a little bit more efficient in their operationals of the aircraft that they currently hold in their inventory. Part of which is sad to say, because this is one of my favorites, the MD-11 will be retired out of the FedEx fleet in 2028 uh, as they look to reduce additional costs. So it sounds like they're fully uh, committing earlier than expected to the twin engine models and the narrow body and wide body sectors um, as evidenced by this decision. FedEx also announced that they're looking to distribute more of their lighter package loads to more of their general uh, partners that they're collaborating with so that they can have their aircraft focus more on a interestingly enough point-to-point route structure as they are starting to transition from the hub and spoke system, which we kind of spoke about maybe a, a month or two ago as we were discussing the future outlook of the air cargo industry in the post-pandemic phase. So it's starting to align in that direction, and we're starting to see a lot more of that happening as e-commerce and express shipping starts to kind of become the trend of demand for the industry. In addition to that, FedEx also explained that they're looking to streamline their spending uh, fiscally on their fleet from $2.3 billion to $1.5 billion. That's $800 million that they're scaling back on, in addition to other um, cost-cutting measures that they're implementing for their operational network structure. Um, they also indicated in Europe they're going to be revamping their clearinghouses and looking to uh, utilize a total savings per year over in that segment of at least $700 million. So we're seeing a lot of cost-cutting measures that are taking place, but the the interesting part about it is even though the reductions are financially taking hold of the organization, it looks like they're getting more uh, into the investment of the twin engine models and basically, like everyone else, uh, bringing more youth into their fleet operational capabilities that are um, going to allow them to be more fully functional and directly operate on a point-to-point city structure so that they can start to have that express shipping be more, I would say, precise. Uh, what are we talking about? 767s, A300s? What are we talking here? Yeah, you're right on the, um, you're right on point with that. And I would say they're definitely uh, based on the last delivery orders and increasing orders that are coming in. Uh, 767 uh, freighter platform is definitely the primary uh, operator that they're using to replace the MD-11s. And um, again, they do have a fleet of 777s. I don't know how much more of an investment they'll make into that aircraft type, but the 767 seems to be the the main workhorse that they're developing and investing in right now, especially as we near 2027. Um, I do see that that's going to be the, the main operating platform. Because if you think about it, um, they could use that essentially to start running all of their Trans-Pacific and uh, Transatlantic flights along with the 777s and obviously keep their A300s within the uh, within the continental U.S. and within the Americas because they have the range of capability to carry the same load as the 7.6, but just on a shorter haul segment. So um, 
you know, that would be my guesstimate. I, I'm not in the executive offices, but based on the data that's been given to us and released publicly, I would say that's the direction that they're headed in. Fascinating stuff. Um, I it, it only leaves a question. Um, who will um, take that, uh, that space that's going to be left behind by them in Europe as far as um, Europe to Americas, which is a highly contested zone? Um, but when you think of Europe and twin engines, Jeff, you have news on a European twin engine aircraft, don't you? Well, before that, I I also wanted to. Why don't um, you interrupt and say, uh, actually, now hold on, let me let me count my marbles. You have your hand raised. You're supposed <laughs> to jump in and say something. I was going to say something to that. Like, why do you have your hand up, Jeff? <laughs> Because well, I didn't Jeff, you and I are jamming. You. Why don't you t- t- message me the question? Be like, oh, by the, by the way, I have a question. But granted, you had your hand raised. Jeff, why don't you ask your question rather than be stepped on? My question um, or non-question uh, could be a question is, what about, um, yeah, FedEx is, you were talking about A300s, um, and I was going to say there's um, an interesting comparison here with uh, Fe- uh, with UPS. I knew because... you were going to go there. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, there are several points um, here, but the first of which is just on the MD11 point, uh, you know, as we recently uh, reported, UPS similarly um is starting that retirement process for um that that type right and uh so pretty soon um you know in the the years to come this uh the, the md11 will basically gradually um make its way um out of both of these major operators leaving uh western global uh in, in the us which um I'd be interested to see what they want to do um, with the MD-11 type um, and whether they will be um, picking up any of these um, frames that that are being freed up. Uh, But of course, Western Global is expecting um, to enter the 777 segment as well. Um, So it's just, yeah, it's an interesting question. But um, going back to UPS, uh you know and the a300s um it's interesting because fedex um has also parked some a300s um maybe those will are on the way out as well um whereas the same can definitely not be said uh, of ups which um just completed the uh the upgrade um the cockpit upgrade for the you know the entire fleet of 52 a300s um and it, so they they clearly spent um a bit of money in in this upgrade and they um but actually i mean it's taken a few years the first one um basically was was completed in uh, 2021 uh but i mean i think actually the this was quite a speedy process um they got through all 52 um in, in two or three years and so, yeah, they um, we know for sure that the A300 is not um, on the way out at UPS. Um, not sure about FedEx, uh, but the the um, A300 will, 
I think because uh, UPS is also retiring the MD11s um, and using 767s to replace those, um, that to me may be um, indicative um, of where the A300s uh, or what kind of role um, the A300s will will take on or, or will continue uh, to to keep. But that's um, yeah, just an interesting point. Robert, so, a follow up. I, I yes, thank you. You acknowledge my hand raised. I am so grateful to your attentive to to, to my my inquiring question here. Um, with that being said, Jeff, I'm going to ask you as the editor of Cargo Facts, do you see the MD11 potentially having a second life in the secondary markets? One, because some of the operators operating a 747-200 may see that as a, a chance to one, not only reduce uh, the amount of engines that they, that they have to uh, incur from an operational and fuel burn cost and expense, but something that's a little bit more modern than the 200. And then two, do you see FedEx potentially playing copycat uh, with UPS? And this is just all speculative. I know we don't have the answers, but it's just an inquiring mind that wants to know, uh, because if they see value in an A300 with an upgraded cockpit, how do we know that FedEx won't see the same? Because, you know, two engines is the way that everyone's going right now. That is the uh, latest trend. Well, yeah, I mean, um, but given their their commitment to reduce spending on aircraft, um, you know, I, I don't know uh, where that leaves the A300s. Um, but in terms of the MD11s um, maybe getting second life, um, it's... It really depends because there there really aren't that many uh, operators. In fact, Western Global, um, leaving aside FedEx and UPS, Western Global uh, is basically the 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 only operator of the MD11. And I mean, if you're talking about the companies that operate 747 Classics, um, really not sure. Uh, maybe they should be looking at uh, you know the newer wide body conversions um, rather than the MD11s. Also, you know, the engines on the on these MD11s um, might you know they might not last. I don't know how much longer they'll last, but um, to me, that's not a sensible um, option to go with. Um, but I don't run an airline, so. <laughs> I don't know. And this also actually leads to the next point, doesn't it? Because Andrew, you asked the question, what's FedEx going to do with the, that, that gap um, after the MD-11s leave? Um, and the broader question on that is the just what large wide body replacements for um, aircraft like, types like the MD-11. Uh, and one of those options, of course, is the A350, right? And um, speaking of the A350, um, Airbus this week said that um, it had just completed the first or started uh, production of the first uh, components for this new wide-body freighter. Um, how the, of course, the passenger version of the A350 um, has been in production for a long time now, but um, this first uh, small part uh, in what will become the the prototype P350 freighter. Um, 
is now uh, you know being produced uh, at the Airbus Atlantic facility uh, in Nantes. And it's interesting because Airbus um, gave us a bit more detail about the, the overall timeline um, for, for the production process. Uh, so basically, the this center wing box um, sub-assembly um, will it expect to complete that uh, kind of early 2024. Um, and at the same time, the fuselage sections will also undergo assembly um, by the end of this year. And if you think about it, it's it's like uh, a car factory, just maybe a bit more complex. But um, all these parts have different assembly sites uh, or production sites, and uh, everything kind of slowly comes together. And by uh, kind of mid next year, um, the major milestone of the the marriage uh, between the the fu main fuse large section and the um, center wing box sub assembly those will come together, um, and then well yeah those that will happen at the final assembly line to, in Toulouse, and then um, everything else of course will also start coming in. Uh, many of these parts will also be flown um, on Airbus's Beluga fleet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, those wings and the engines and everything will start coming together. And the, the current target um, is for first flight to take place uh, in late 2024, uh, which actually, if you think about it, isn't that far away. So, you know, things are happening happening quickly and uh we will look forward to um seeing the first a350 freighter um make its first test flight airplane building more complex than car building wow that's a new one um uh, jeff Breaking wait, news, a yeah. while we we spoke to airbus at Farnborough. Um, and they, at the time, they were still um, in the design phase in talking to customers to change features of that aircraft. Um, do you think that the fact that production has begun signals that they've gotten all the input they, they need and it's it, we're looking at a finalized design? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely the case. Um, of course, the the design has to be frozen, um, you know, well before the the manufacturing even starts. So, uh, yeah, no. I mean, everything is now set in stone, um, and the yeah, the, the the final product will be um, what Airbus um, has on on the drawing board, basically. That's that's certainly interesting stuff. Um, in in would that mean that the only one left to make changes would then be the 777-8F? Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, because all the, the three 777 conversion programs, um, but we can't really make any changes there either. Those are already um, underway. So, yeah, um, this large wide-body arena, uh, you know, is, is interesting and It'll be great to finally see, uh, you know, physically see the A350, the first A350 freighter, having seen mm. so many uh, renderings of it. And that's the other thing, right? Is the Airbus will be 
um, kind of unveiling the who won that um, livery design competition for the first A350. Uh, that will happen at the Paris Air Show. Um, so first prototype will not be in the standard uh, Airbus colors. Something I'd, I'd certainly hope to see. So if you're in the market for designing a revolutionary new technology that to be integrated on a wide body freighter that would change the game between the A350 and the 777-8, write to Boeing at 100 North Riverside, Chicago, Illinois, 606. 06 United States of America. They would, I'm sure they would love to hear from you now. Um, that 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 makes me want to close on something a little bit smaller. Um, and that would be Aeronovis TSM. They continue to expand in the CRJ 100 freighter category, which I mean, Jeff, I don't know of a single other operator for that type. Robert, do you? Offhand, absolutely not. But I think it's um, I think it's awesome that you know they're seeing a a need for that particular freighter type in their segment, and that they're showing a dedicated commitment to it. Um, you know, it's uh, definitely an aircraft that's unique in its own characteristics, being a regional carrier converted to a freighter, and. Um, it's obviously filling a very, very important role for Aeronovis TSM. So kudos to that group and the executive management team for seeing the value in that freighter type and uh, keeping it uh, rolling on the conversion program that it's uh, and that it initially started with. And uh, hats off to AEI as well for finding a way to continue to pour life into that freighter program. Awesome, guys. There is yeah, actually I'm, another uh, fellow Mexican operator, uh, Tum Aerocarga, also yeah, um, operates. I'm that looking type. at it right now in our uh, regional freighter fleet data set on cargofax.com. Um, you also have West Atlantic, Sweden. Yeah, I, West I, Atlantic, I well, interesting because those two that West Atlantic used to operate uh, have also been picked up by Aeronavis TSM. So, yes. Uh, yeah, and that was what I was going to say is that when it comes to Aeronavis TSM, uh, basically, uh, it's almost like if you have an aircraft that you want to get rid of, um, the first person you should ask is uh, Aeronavis TSM because uh, mm. that airline is interesting um, because they, yeah, they, so they, apart from these um, CRJs that they picked up from West Atlantic, they, the other main type that they've, that they're growing now is the 737 classic right um and probably more specifically the 400 um it's just attacking this uh from multiple angles it's um acquiring feedstock for conversion with aei it's buying um 737 400 sfs aei conversions from other carriers it's also um adding uh pemco converted 737 400s from other people so it it it, it really doesn't discriminate it just really wants um more of that 737 classic uh platform um which is you know interesting to see all these uh 737 400s going down to mexico and um it's always yeah when whenever we see um an airline retiring or, or, or one frame leaving an airline uh the first guest uh should be aeronavis tsm I, 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 I'm so very Excuse curious me. to see what what it is that 
is attracting them to this freighter type. I mean, it has to be a niche for uh, a regional market, certainly. But I mean, the CRJ is a aircraft with its challenges, um, and it's certainly very unique to the freighter space. Um, and I, if if you have information as to why um, the CRJ would be desirable, or if you're in the market for a CRJ, um, please let me know. The good thing about it is there are plenty of CRJ models currently in in uh, operation right now, whether passenger and or freighter. So they have plenty of logistical support. So guys, continue doing the good work that you do with that with that freighter type. I mean, they do have a long lifespan capability with the amount of uh, aircraft that were actually produced by uh, Bombardier. So uh, they'll be okay. Well, with that. That's going to be all the time we have for today. For more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. Join us again next time.